0: Welcome, everyone, to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom, and this week's episode is a very special one to me. About ten years ago, when I was doing school turnaround and district turnaround work across the country, um, I really relied heavily on a business book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And uh, just recently, uh, we've Franklin Covey has released The Four Disciplines of Execution for Educators, and this is. Uh, an Powerful book, an incredibly impactful book that helps schools, districts, individuals fight through the noise to accomplish the most important goals. Uh, this conversation, we have all three authors Sean Covey, Lynn Kaczynski, and Meg Thompson, and we dive into uh, how to get the best results. How do you properly goal set and create a winnable game and a great, compelling scoreboard for folks to continue to get repeatable results? Uh, This book is awesome. I can't say that enough because um, I really think this book is what brought me to Franklin Covey. I love all of our content, uh, quite honestly, but the four disciplines of execution really is something that excited me as an educator and I'm confident it will excite you all. Today's conversation, uh, we actually taped as a live event and because it went so well, we thought we should. it out to you guys as soon as possible so like i said it's a great conversation if you're trying to figure out how to properly set goals if you're trying to figure out how to create compelling scoreboards where you get your adults and your kids uh, invested in the outcomes you're going for this is a great podcast to listen to so thank you for joining us as always again if you haven't subscribed please be a subscriber and share this with as many people as possible Uh, enjoy thanks All right. Welcome everyone to uh, this amazing webinar. We have the three authors of our latest book, The Four Disciplines of Execution for Educators. I believe this is an event that's at least a decade in the making of my life. uh, When I think about one of the most transformational books that I've ever read in terms of how to improve school performance as well as district performance, it's the original Four Disciplines of Execution. And now that we have a specific book tackling how do we take those Um, principles and disciplines to educators. I'm incredibly excited to talk to the authors uh, and share this knowledge with you all. Uh, Before we meet the authors, I want to start by saying, uh, if you guys uh, have questions, we've we've got a number of questions submitted to us prior to this, but if you have questions as we're talking to the authors, please submit them in the Q&A. We're definitely going to try to get to them as many of them as possible. Got Sean Covey, Lynn Kaczynski, and Meg Thompson. And we're going to do a deep dive with each of them. But before we do, I'm curious to ask Sean uh, one quick question, which is, which I probably doesn't have a quick answer. What are the origins of these four disciplines? Where did it start?
1: Thanks, Dustin. Um, yeah, so the origins were it was really unique how this started because um, you know what happened is we got a survey back at Franklin Kevy, you know, and our, and our executive team looked at it and the survey was the senior leaders of organizations and the question was what are your top concerns and the top issue was execution getting things done right wasn't so much setting goals or strategy but rather how do you get things done in a group of people and so we deliberately set out to try to solve the problem right and we looked at um all these theories. We read all kinds of books. We talked with experts. We hired McKinsey Consulting uh, to get their views on this. And then we found this kind of the collective wisdom and know-how of the company came together. And um, over um, this was in the year 2000. And it was over a several-year period that we, I'd say, uncovered these principles and sequenced them in such a way that they worked. So the idea of focus on the wildly important, Uh, you know, because most people we find have far too many goals and initiatives, the idea of you can't get everything done with excellence, you can do one or two things at a time with excellence, right? And the idea of act on the lead measures, which is the second discipline, um, that we always look at lag measures, what's happened in the past, and we seldom focus on the here and the now, what can you do this week? To move the number right or to move the needle or to improve the school um so it took um it was several years in the making and we kind of stumbled upon i say stumbled upon because i feel like there was a lot of serendipity involved and happy accidents and ran into the right people at the right time but um over over several years we came up with these four disciplines and they're we think they're profound <laughs> we don't say that in an arrogant way but in a humble way, because we've, we feel like we discovered these principles of focus and leverage and um, engagement and accountability, right? I mean, they've, they've always been there, but we find that if, if whatever organization, a large hotel chain like Marriott Hotels or an elementary school, if they will practice these disciplines, um, it's amazing what they can get done. So that, that's how it all began in the year 2000. Well,
0: what, what was the impetus for us having, you know, the the book here for educators and what are the main differences between the original book and this book?
1: Well, I'll say a couple of things and then I'll turn it over to my colleagues here. Um, I, I felt like um, a few years ago, I said, you know what, these, these four disciplines are so powerful, like the seven habits they are really powerful. And, um, uh, our schools have them, but I don't think they know them like they should. And the I've I've walked in schools where they're doing it really well, where they've got, you walk in and they say, improve reading scores by X by the end of the year. And then you see it in the hallways and you see it in the classroom and then you see students doing it. And it's remarkable to see the outcomes. So I felt like we've got to get more know-how and knowledge out to, to all of our leader in me schools about how to use how to use this so let's let's take the existing book that we've got in the four disciplines and let's let's show how it applies specifically to, to schools elementary middle high schools and also to colleges and universities and so this this book is just chock full of um, specific examples and scoreboards and and uh, some amazing stories but Megan so- Lynn what do you what would you say
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So let me start with Lynn. Lynn, uh, I know that you've been very involved with the four disciplines of execution in our schools and districts across the country. Uh, Can you share a little bit about your background and what you're excited about for educators with this book?
2: Absolutely. So my background is in in education, and I was a teacher and I was a, a principal at the elementary and middle school level and then worked at the central office level as an assistant superintendent. And so I spent a lot of years um, in K twelve education, prior to um, coming to Franklin Covey, but my my passion continued. So, um, with this four disciplines of execution, I had this great aha of Wow! I wish that I wish I'd have known about this when I was in um, pra- when I was a practitioner in a school and in a school district. And um, so I've I've continued down that road. I've always had a strong interest in data, data analysis and goals and goal setting and achievement. And um, so I do a lot um, at Franklin Covey with our product development in, um, around academics. And so what I'm really excited about with this, I had an email from a principal the other day and he said, Thank you for writing this book. I so appreciate that all of you wrote this book with examples from schools in the book. It's exactly what we needed. Uh, We go in and we facilitate trainings and yet they need something. um, They want to refer back to something when we leave and they love um, having examples from other schools that can be found in the book.
0: That's great. Meg, I... I know you've had a long history with the four disciplines of execution. I'm curious uh, what's been your experience with the four disciplines and what are you most excited about for this book?
3: Thanks, Dustin. I, well, my background is, is different, <laughs> which would make, I think, you know, gives us a little variety. I spent um, 10 years working with corporate clients around this content um, and was involved in the early origins, as Sean had described, there were a lot of hands on the wheel building, you know, for disciplines as it evolved. Um, at that time, I was the global subject matter expert on our XQ, which was our, our survey that helped organizations determine where their execution gaps were. And from the gaps identified, uh, you know, the, the next question was always the same, well, now what, right? You, you, and does this, is, this is sound vaguely familiar in education? You know, data piled on you, <laughs> you know what the situation is, and then you say, well, now what? And um, so I was given an opportunity uh, to work with a few districts early on who had interest in four disciplines, and it became really clear to me how vital this was gonna be in the world of education. Um, the ability to really focus, as Sean said, not just on writing goals. Anybody can do that, and I'm sure we've all been involved in situations where we've written goals ad nauseum. It's actually how, how we get them done that is the secret sauce. Um, and it became very clear to me working with educators and speaking what I would say is a, our enterprise language. We needed a translated version <laughs> because the language just didn't it didn't work as well. I mean, we could facilitate through it, but it it was missing, to Lynn's point, those amazing examples um, that draw uh, the reader and the the practitioner in and makes them say, I can do this here. And so I, I would say the 4DX book, that's the most exciting part is looking at all of those great examples and getting exposure of these four disciplines in an education environment I think it just creates um, a huge opportunity I'm excited about. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys have been in education or at least working with education for
0: a number of years. And you know that there's plenty of books or thought leaders out there that uh, talk about accomplishing your goals or you know coming up with great strategy. Sean, what what's the uh, formula, the special sauce here for the four disciplines of execution that makes it so impactful and so unique?
1: Special. The special sauce is um, the way they work together. Um, They're you know again I I always compare them to the Seven Habits because the Seven Habits is around behavior right and uh, social emotion learning and how to be an effective individual. Um, And they work as a sequence right. There's a public victory that is before a public public victory is a private victory right. It precedes it. And four disciplines are sequenced and so um, it's the whole idea of of starting with focus right and we try to blow conventional wisdom out the door which is you know you can do many things at once you can only do one or two things at once with excellence and so we teach uh, schools and districts to really focus in what's the thing that if you accomplished would make all the difference right maybe it's attendance maybe it's behavior maybe it's uh, you've got to get your your uh, literacy scores up that's you know that's the start of it and and then you got to craft that in such a way you can act on it. You know, you don't want it to be way up in the sky. You've got to make it really practical. And so we teach the concept of from X to Y by when, right? I'd like to increase our literacy scores from, you know, 75% passing to 85% by May 31st. Make them practical, right? So it's bad. And then, and then it's... Um, the, the next discipline is all around leverage, right? What are the key things that you can do on a daily basis to move the needle, right? To move those reading scores, for example. And then it's about creating a scoreboard. A scoreboard is, you know, you go to a football game and football's going right now. And I went to lots of games this last week. And um, you watch, you look at a scoreboard and it's motivating. You can just see a few numbers, right? You know what the score is, you know, who has the ball how much time is left. And in like manner, if you do the same thing for an organization, a school, and you put up the score and everyone knows if we're winning or losing on the game that we've set up to play, right? That motivates people, it engages people. And then the last discipline is around um, accountability, reporting, um, and coming together and saying, how are we doing on this on a regular basis, a cadence, right? It's, if you skip one, any one of these, um, it falls apart. You know, so get really focused, act on the things that are gonna make a difference in the moment, keep score and account for it. Um, They seem very basic, but most people don't do these, right? They set a goal, they forget about it. They don't keep score. They forget to meet on a regular basis, right? They've got too many goals going on and the whole thing falls apart. So um, that's, that's the magic, that's the secret sauce is the sequence of how the four disciplines work together.
0: So I'm curious what this looks like at a district and school level. So Meg, from a district level, what, what, how does this play out? What does this look like?
3: Well, I mean, I think the most important word is alignment um, in a district level. And if you are sitting in a superintendency or a board level, uh, it's very, you know, every board and every superintendent sets out their goals for what they're trying to achieve frequently gaps they're trying to close. But the reality is just as in any organization, if the top of your organization are the only people that really understand what you're trying to achieve and what gap you're trying to close, it will never be executed on. It is the, if you think of an organization like a triangle, it is the bottom of the triangle that does all the work, no offense to the leadership, right? But if your feet on the ground don't understand the problem you're trying to solve, then, you're dead before you get started. And so when we think about the four disciplines and we're, we're seeing this happen in some uh, districts and it's, it's just magical when you see a board and a superintendent work together and clearly define their goals with measurements and then take the time to painstakingly work it through their organization so that everybody in the organization knows what is my contribution to that most important goal. When we can do that and account for it and scoreboard for it and make sure that we're checking on our progress, that's really where it happens. And I would suggest that it, from what I can see, this is not something that you learn in teacher training, principal training, superintendent training, board training, you know, you're kind of thrown into it. And so this is actually the framework for getting your work done. Um, And there is something incredibly powerful about that in any organization, but at the district level, the ability to set a goal at the very highest level and cascade it down in a meaningful way is incredibly powerful.
0: Lynn, I'm curious from school level to a classroom level to a student level, how does the four disciplines of execution play out?
2: So it goes back to what Meg was saying about alignment and so when we're really clear on what are the gaps that we are trying to close, I was working with a school yesterday and they had identified reading. Reading was um, a, a gap that they were trying to close in their in their um, testing scores. And so we worked to align from the school level. You know, we saw, okay, readings our gap. Now, what does it mean to us at the grade level and the class level and then the student level? And so, they identified their assessment measures. How are we gonna know along the way? What are those dipsticks along the way that we know that we're making progress toward achieving our WIG? And um, and then at the grade level, um, the teacher, the teams got together and they had a conversation about, well, we know that we're going after reading. We know what our assessments are along the way. What are those dipsticks to know if we're making progress along the way? And then they were just starting this progress. So they set out to identify what are some commonly measures that we can start with, with our students. And then um, really having a conversation about how will we introduce this to students? What will the modeling look like? What are some systems that we need to put into place in our classroom so that um, we'll we'll have an effective four disciplines um, system and goal setting process in place.
0: In your experience, do you, can you see kids really understanding this concept and uh, getting results out of it? And how young are those kids that you see get results with this?
2: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. We um, share a story in the book about some really young kids. Um, you know, they, were, they were preschool age. Obviously there was some support there um, through the school and through home, but it was a we're trying to learn how to read. And it was some English words. We're trying to learn to read English let's practice it. And so the words became not what are our lead measures, what are our strategies, it's what are our practices? Let's do, let's take, let's practice again. And then let's check it off that we practice it again. So really young kids understand, I want to learn how to tie my shoe. I need to do a few practices at it. And so we just modify the language um, to meet the needs of the learner. But the whole system is still in place um, with identifying what is that WIC, what are practices, Let's, let's scoreboard it, let's model it. I've watched kindergartners where after they've been to a certain center, which is one of their lead measures, Go over to a wall where they have a sheet of paper with their name on it, and they take the bingo dabber and they da- they dab it to identify um, that that they did their practice on that particular day. And so we see this happening in classrooms with with very young children.
1: To Lynn's point um, and to what Meg said earlier, I mean, if you had to narrow it down to one thing, perhaps the reason four discipline's works is because the work's being done by this the, by the students in the end. It's and it aligns all the way to the school and to the district when, when done well. And the kids get it. They love to set goals. Um, we call them wigs. A wig is a wildly important goal as opposed to a pig, which is a pretty important goal, right? <laughs> and, um, but when you're keeping score, if you have a classroom goal and a student has a, a goal aligned to that, it's, it's so powerful. So uh, there's a story in the book about a kid named Mario, first grader, from Martin Petijon Elementary in Louisiana. And um, they had, they set a goal, Kim Cummins, the principal, that said our number one issue, if we could, our attendance is our biggest issue. It's, it's, it's got to be the thing we focus on in year one. Um, and then we need to focus on literacy. But let's start with attendance. And so um, this was a, a school that was 95% free and reduced. And, um, they set a goal for attendance and they had a big public scoreboard when you walked into the school, right? And then they had classroom scoreboards and the classes were keeping score of attendance and all the kids were involved and owned it. So this little kid wakes up one morning and uh, his mom uh, couldn't take him to school um, for some reason. And so he's thinking, I got it. We have a goal, attendance <laughs> school, and I'm part of it. So this little boy goes out and he hitchhikes to school. A trucker in the area who knew uh you know he he said he knew this trucker he saw him and he hitchhiked with this guy he gets to school the trucker checks him in and uh, they find out that you know he's not related and the principal meets with this little boy and says mario what are you doing you don't talk to strangers right so after she cleared that up she said well why did you hitchhike to school and he goes because we have an attendance school, and i wanted i didn't want to blow it so (laughs) um but and he, she talked about just the power of that and they they moved the needle that year by focusing on it the kids owned it right yep. and then they focused the next year on literacy and did the same thing and increased their reading scores significantly but it's this it's the students when they're aligned they're engaged because everybody wants to, everybody wants to win and if you're keeping score it's it makes it fun
0: that's awesome one of the one of the pushbacks i can uh, imagine that we see in schools and districts is uh, when we think about a public scoreboard is kind of protecting data for either teachers or students. What are some recommendations that you all have for helping schools kind of navigate the importance and the power that Sean just talked about of, you know, having a great public scoreboard with protecting the concerns of uh, students' data or teachers' data?
2: That's a, that's a big concern, Dustin, right? And so we talk about um, growth, growth wigs and proficiency wigs and really putting growth forward, public facing and proficiency a part of that private conversation that teachers have. And so what we don't want to see are students' names um, identified with any kind of public data. We need to be mindful of that. Um, we want to create scoreboards that kids are excited about and that it's a team effort. So uh, we've been in so many schools where they have um, those little puff balls that they're trying to fill up to a jar to, to um, show that the whole entire grade level has maybe reached a, reached a certain goal. So those are things that we want. We want scoreboards that are compelling and exciting for kids, um, but that do not make them feel bad about themselves and that their data needs to be private. So I, just to kind of build on that, I was in a school where this young boy was taking me around and they were doing some great work around goal setting, but there was a scoreboard and everybody had their own little individual cars and they didn't have any names on the cars. But the little boy said to me, and there's my car way back there. And I'm trying really hard, but I'm just not so good at reading. And, um, and he felt so bad. And so we, we want to avoid situations right, like that. He was trying really hard. He knew which car was his, and likely his classmates knew which car was his, even though he didn't have a name on it. And so those are the things that we want to avoid, right? We want, um, we want team effort, scoreboards that are exciting for folks that celebrate growth. Um, but don't um, make children feel badly about their achievement.
0: Yeah, I think that's key. I think a lot of folks are going to read this book and want to put it in place so quickly that those little things you may miss, and that could that could hurt your momentum with implementing this, it seems, all right? So um, I have a question here in the chat that I, I think is pretty interesting is, you know, right now the reality is uh, COVID is... You know, the reality with COVID is that um, schools and districts are facing many gaps. How do you select one to two wigs in uh, the fact there are so many gaps out there? I'm curious what your recommendations are that. Meg, I'll start with you, uh, seeing you bobbing your head. So, uh, yeah,
3: I smile because it's the very most common question and it's universal. I don't care whether you're an educator or whether you're in a Fortune 20. Um, The list, the pigs, to Sean's point, of what you could do to improve what's going on in your district where you're building, that list is going to be long, always. But the reality is, and COVID's another great example, is the bandwidth of your team to accomplish it is just not endless. And so you have to go through that process of prioritization and, you know, Sean introduced those disciplines one by one. And of the four disciplines, I would say, in working with teams over the years, discipline one inevitably takes the longest because of exactly what you described. It looks like a, a lobbying effort of what's the most important based on, you know, where, what part of the organization you represent. And so being able to carefully identify and prioritize Um, I think it's important when you think about uh, the wildly important goals and selecting those one or two critical. Um, It doesn't mean you don't do the rest. If you think about it back to the football analogy, you take the two most important and start working on them and the rest sit on the bench. As you clear and make progress on those two goals that you have out, you move that off and you pull one off the bench. But we all know that we cannot work on 10 projects at a time even though maybe in some cases we're put in that situation. So if you really wanna make progress, you have to prioritize and it probably is the most painstaking part of the process.
0: Yeah, Sean or Lynn, what other advice do you have on that before I move on to the other questions?
1: I just say that um, another analogy is the idea of an air traffic controller, right? Um, you've got many planes circling in the air. These are all your goals and initiatives and so forth, but you can only land one plane at a time. You got to give it immense focus and all um, your day job won't go away. It's always there, but there's something magical about just focusing in on one thing and how everything else will kind of take care of itself. If you do that one thing really well. And typically if people get together, if it's at a district level or at a school level and just have some conversation for a few hours on what is the thing that if we accomplished with excellence this year would make the most difference? You ask that question and you keep hammering it and hammering it and you'll you'll figure it out over time. Um, The the example we use that's in the book that some people have heard, maybe others haven't, but it's so good, I'll just share it real quickly. It's just what happened with uh, NASA in 1958 uh, with Eisenhower as the president and Russia was kicking our butts in space exploration. And so NASA came out under Eisenhower with their 15-point plan to lead the world in space exploration. And you should read how beautiful the 15 read, the 15 paragraphs of what they're going to do, right? These are all the things we need to do about spacecraft and exploration and and so forth. and then JFK, they, got, they made no progress. JFK comes along in 1961 and says, our goal is to get a man to the moon and back safely by the end of the decade. Okay, so of the 50 things NASA was doing, they put it down to one goal. And that galvanized everybody. And they, they said, okay, well, we know everything except pr- propulsion, how to get off the ground, navigation and life support. Let's figure out those three things they figured it out 1969, they land on the moon. Um, They had no business being on the moon at that time with the technology we had, but um, it was amazing how it galvanized everybody by narrowing it down to one thing. And schools and districts can do the same thing is if they just ask themselves that question is what is our to the moon and back equivalent, right? Because you wanna be more like JFK than you do Eisenhower with 15 broad nebulous statements, right? About what you're going to accomplish.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, Sean, you may have answered it one, one of them in there, but Lynn, I'm going to come to you for this one, is that uh, building off that COVID question, and there's lots of priorities right now, we have lots of unpredictability in terms of, are we going to stay, you know, depending on what state you're in or what county you're in, are we going to be virtual? Are we going to be full-time and go in go out? How, how can we, can we, I guess, implement four disciplines of execution in an environment like that? I understand the importance of it, but is it possible to implement it with all of this unpredictability around
2: it? Yeah, that's a really, really great question, Dustin. And um, we, uh, we talk about that in the book because there was actually a teacher last year, you know, many teachers face this, but we have a wonderful example of a teacher from New York City who had a very powerful 40X system um, going in her classroom and the kids only had accountability partners and they had a regular routine of updating the classroom scoreboard and then just in the blink of an eye now we're now we're remote and she thought I don't want to let that go it's been so important to our school that I don't want to stop doing what we've been doing and so she just created uh, electronic scoreboard so she had this solar system uh, this picture of the solar system. And then they would have conversations about um, how do we, pro- how, what progress have we made? Can we move our little astronaut around? And so the astronaut moved to different planets based on the progress that they were making as a class. She taught kids, um, they went into breakout rooms with their accountability partners and they had conversations. So those continued via Zoom. Um, some of the student scoreboarding, if you will, um, wig templates that they had. She converted those just to an electronic template. And so kids were able to continue to track their progress. They were still able to have class meetings and update a, a, um, so instead of a beautiful bulletin board, it was this wonderful electronic uh, astronaut and solar system. And then students were able to maintain that cadence of accountability through breakout rooms. So it can happen. She did a beautiful job. They had great success. And um, we're just really pleased to be able to share her experiences in the book about how do you do 4DX virtually.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, I think uh, to come back, you just talked about a scoreboard. I'm sitting here looking at the QA and even the chat. It seems like scoreboards, I mean, it's a time of year where schools are thinking about these scoreboards. And so uh, one of the questions that I have in front of me is. Um, They, we have a question regarding a few of the public scoreboards that are in the new book. We were wondering why scoreboards listed as public have student names attached. We are thinking we should avoid student names on public scoreboards. Again, that's a little bit of the question I asked earlier. What's your advice for that one?
2: Yes, so we don't want to have names attached. Let's take a look at when there are names. is it so that the names that we have attached in our public scoreboards are, are more likely on those lead measures. So take a critical look at those that are in the book. Yeah, we don't wanna have, um, if we're talking about growth, hey, I grew three levels or two levels. That's a conversation because that's more of a celebration toward, toward growth. But again, um, it, it's a conversation that you need to really think about, because when you start to build a scoreboard, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, did we just identify someone? Or um, we meant this to be celebratory in nature, is it or is it not? We also have a lot of examples. So we have some in the book, but we also have a lot that are on our LeaderMe website. And so Leader Me Weekly, our LeaderMe resources that are online, all kinds of scoreboards there as well.
0: I think it sounds to me, it's really about the spirit of it, right? So to make sure that the goal isn't to diminish uh, confidence and trust with uh, students and teachers, it's to build confidence and excitement. Is that, is that the accurate way to interpret this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so if we look at privately in a student's leadership portfolio, they're gonna know what's my personal wig, where am I trying to get? But then they'll also be tracking their lead measures. How am I doing? Am I, am I working hard at my lead measures? Are they making a difference? And so it's kind of twofold with those public scoreboards. Yes, we want to have some energy and excitement and teamwork toward achieving a goal. And then privately in their own leadership portfolio where they're tracking their progress, we want them to be able to see how am I personally doing? Where do I fit into that picture? But again, that's more of a private um, tool that students have.
0: Sean, if people are interested, I see people here uh, have written to me about, they want to see examples and templates of public scoreboards, like real life, real time examples uh, and templates. Where can folks get those? How can folks get those?
1: Yeah, well, there are so many resources on Leader and Me online. Um, just go there and and uh, and do the search and type in four disciplines of 40X. So this is, so I just typed in 40X, got 106 you know, different assets here. So there are videos, there are lessons, there are um, articles and all kinds of tools as well. So you can see all these tools and we have them in English and Spanish and other languages as well. But you can see, um, you know, like uh, this is a great uh, worksheet for students. There's one for teachers uh, and these go on and on. So every tool you can imagine is available um, I think Leader Me Online has got a lot more than most people know. But this goes on for pages and pages, right? Lots, lots of really cool resources. So if you spent five minutes just kind of scrolling through, I think you could find whatever you might need here.
0: That's awesome. Um, one of the things that I, I can imagine leaders are thinking about right now is um, I'm excited to try to figure out how to set that goal to the moon and back for my school but how do I get the buy-in or commitment, earn the commitment of the other key leaders in our organization? What advice do you all have for leaders trying to take this to their team so we can get running and changing people's lives with this?
3: Well, I'll jump in on that, Dustin, because I feel like whenever uh, a leader comes to the team or even a colleague comes to the team with an idea, you're gonna run into some skepticism, right? The bell curve is the bell curve for a reason. And so I think one of the tendencies is to spend our energy on that bottom 20% those naysayers because you want to turn them. And I have found that actually you do a better job working on the top 20% that get it automatically because there will always be people that just totally understand why this is important and why it works. And that middle 60% is more likely to move with you. And so, try not to be distracted by the naysayers. Um, in my experience, really, it's kind of walking the talk. Um, once you get going with four disciplines and you start to see progress, that's where you start to pull people along pretty fast. Um, but you know, on the front end of things, there's going to be folks that struggle. Get them to read the book. Um, you know, really have deep conversations about. Uh, you know, how, how are we doing on our progress to our most important goals? Are we winning? Are we doing what we're, we committed to do in our school and our district? And the odds are there's room for improvement. And so this is a methodology to get those most important things done that everybody cares about. So this is a structure that facilitates everything that we care about in a school, in a district. It's not something uh, extra. In fact, you know, I, this is what we use now with schools with the school improvement plan. When you say, what are your wildly important goals? I hope it's on your school improvement plan. Otherwise, maybe the next time that gets written, we should revisit it, right? And so how are we going to deliver on that? Um, And so just make it really real and tangible and focus on getting the majority of the team up and moving and progress will bring the rest along.
2: Just just adding on to that in a, um, what happened in one school district and it was at um, Highlands Elementary School in Florida where they went from an F to an A grade in three years time. And and now the leader me has spread to throughout that entire county, but the superintendent was so wise to see the results um, that were occurring partially due to um, that strong implementation of four disciplines of execution as well as um, leader and me in general. And so she arranged for her entire executive team to be trained in the four disciplines of execution. So they had some, a place to start with some common knowledge for the entire executive team. So that's just another um, really good uh, strategy to consider.
0: Uh, this person in the chat uh, shares something I have to imagine that you guys have heard plenty of times, but I often hear teachers saying, I have no time. How do you expect me to set goals for every student in my classroom and still have time to teach? What would be the best way to support staff in their journey and to be mindful of their time? That's a great question. Thank you for whoever
1: sent that. Well, then you've been a classroom teacher. What would you say?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So again, it goes back to what we've been talking about is what's wildly important, what are our school improvement goals. And so, therefore, if if closing a gap in math is important, then we certainly need to take the time to apply the four disciplines to that particular uh, wildly important goal that we have. So in the classroom. And I experienced this just yesterday. You can you can almost see teachers just start to, their heart starts to just beat really fast. Like, how am I going to do this, right? But um, we say when you're first starting, get your systems in place. And by that, I mean, think about where in your schedule will we be, when will be, will. pardon me, when will we be updating our school or our classroom scoreboard? Okay, when um, will I model for my students the 40X process? And we also say, let's launch with some common lead measures. And so when you're first getting started and you have a reading wig or a math wig, what makes it easier is if you start with some common lead measures. And by that, you save some time right there because you're getting set with your systems in your classroom all of your students have the same lead measures and so then they're having conversations with their accountability partners around the same lead measures and so um, as you get more experienced in this process then that's when we can start to differentiate and what happens is this is good teaching this is good teaching, right? You're, you want kids to achieve. you want them to grow, you want them to hit certain levels of proficiency. And so what this is really doing by putting time up front, it's helping you on the other end because you will see kids making academic gains. Um, so just going back to that that place of, well, I'm differentiating for all my students. How is that possibly? How am I going to have the time for that? but we have teams of teachers who let's say Fontas and Panel is a reading assessment that they might be using. And so They get together as grade levels of teachers and they create pick lists of lead measures. So, if decoding is an issue for kids, what are some, what's a pick list of strategies of lead measures that kids might be um, using for decoding? What's a pick list of strategies for comprehension and so forth? So, by collaborating with your team members to create some of these um, tools up front that definitely saves time when um, you're implementing in the classroom.
0: Yeah, do all goals have to be academic in nature?
2: No,
1: they don't. I think uh, I think uh, we, we think one of the best practices is um, like imagine inside of a classroom, they have an academic goal that's aligned to the school goal. Let's just say it's literacy and it's aligned to the classroom and the school goal. And, and if it's being done at district level district goal but also to have the kids say, and, and my personal goal is, right? And let them have a personal goal makes it really fun. So they've got one that's kind of, this is my business, you know, I'm part of the business, I'm part of the team here. And then another one, which is their personal goal. And you see the most creative things there um, when they have personal goals. It's anything from tying your shoelaces to learning to throw a football to whatever. But, um, you know, we encourage not more than, than two. But you know, I, think it's, I think it's fun to have kind of a, a personal one as well as an academic one.
0: Yeah, it keeps it fun. i, I personally lost 30 pounds off trying to implement 40X in my life. So uh, all right. gonna, yeah. <laughs> we've got 30 more to go, Sean, but yeah, we're at least on the, the right path. Um, so question I have for you all as, as we leave is, I know you're all excited about this subject and how this could transform uh, people's personal lives as well as the schools and districts they work in. What, what call to action would you have for people right now who are diving into the book, who have read the book, and thinking, how can I continue to dive deeper with this content? Uh, Lynn, I'm going to start with you, and I'll work to Meg, and then Sean, will end with you.
2: So I think after reading the book or having experience of training at their schools um, through our Leader Me process, it's like, just start. Sometimes there's there's this fear, but but just start, and um, and then also as far as the book, use it. I mean, read it, but certainly keep it like a reference book. So when you're when you're a little bit confused on lead measures, go back and reread that section again.
3: That's great, Meg. How about you?
2: Yeah, I think
3: um, I would reference back the book. That sounds a little, (laughs) being authors, (laughs) that sounds like a little, a little edgy there. But, you know, the, the reality is we use books all the time, especially, let's say, you're a principal wanting to influence a superintendent or vice versa, right? Make sure you highlight sections of the book that are relevant to them so that they understand why, you know, this is important and why you want to engage in this. Um, And for those that are part of Leader in Me schools, you have that built-in support system of your coach. And and if you need more intensive effort around four disciplines, which isn't uncommon, especially if depending on the initiative you're after, then reach out and get more help from us. I mean, we we are passionate about what the four disciplines can do in education at every level, uh, from the board to your pre-K class, Uh, whatever goals you focus on, the ability to accomplish them is, you know, what more do you want? That's what you get up every day for. So. That's great. And Sean, what about you? Call it action.
1: Well, um, the four disciplines really work. Um, If you really, if you need to move the needle, there's something very important in your school or your classroom to accomplish. It's methodology that works um, magically. And we, I mean, we do this in um, thousands of organizations across the world um, including, you know, big companies like Marriott Hotels has adopted it, um, you know, countrywide because it's been so effective for them. But these principles work in any any setting. I just say so. Three ideas come to mind. One is if you have a Franklin Covey coach, and most of our Leader Me schools do, our coaches are experts at this. Uh, really engage with them on how to how to sustain the process inside your school. And then um, I think, as I shared before, Leader Me Online is really robust and rich with resources. It's a, it's, it's there's gold in them, their hills in Leader Me Weekly. I encourage you to, to go to it. And then um, I saw a couple of uh, comments here in the chat. Uh, the, the book is great. You can do a book study. Um, that'd be a great thing to do. Um, we've made the book very inexpensive. It's basically our cost um, and we don't we haven't put it on amazon so we haven't published it yet to the world because we want it just for our leader me schools this is special for you and um, we might publish it elsewhere someday but for now it's just for our leader me schools. so we we wanted you to have it first but those would be a few things to keep in mind
0: that's great well i've got some other feedback on the side about how helpful this session has been for folks and so i know three of you are incredibly busy people Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And thank you so much for spending the hours upon hours to put this book together and write this book for us. We feel very fortunate for it. So thank you guys. Thank you. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of
1: shaping human potential.